Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Thank you for stopping by for another one of my incredible conversations. Today, I'm continuing my series of podcasts for my spring travels with registered dietitian, Christina Faroli. She works for the Purdue Extension in the beautiful state of Indiana. Summer has started, and I also think a few internships have started as well. It's such an important time in your life to take everything you can in, but it can also be a bit overwhelming, which is why I wrote my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What? I realized there is just so much that no one told me about dietetics, especially when I was an intern, which is why my book shares what I have learned so far. You can easily check it out on my website, annelizabethrd.com, or you can download it on iTunes and Amazon. Each week, I have the joy to share things I love with you, my listeners, which is usually food. What dietitian doesn't love food? Jolly Time Healthy Pop Popcorn is one of my favorite foods because I snack smart and truly snack happy with Jolly Time Popcorn. To learn more about this perfect snack, visit jollytime.com. I also have a new food I love right now, which deserves a little drum roll. It's called Daleman's Stroop Waffles. My friends Adrian and Tom from the brand Passport sent me and my guest this amazing snack. They are baked with care using only natural ingredients and contain no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or trans fat. I enjoy them straight from the package and putting them on top of a warm cup of coffee is a great way to also enjoy the caramel deliciousness on the inside. This spring, I had my first and very fast trip to Indianapolis, Indiana, where I had the joy to meet some wonderful dietitians with the Indiana Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Christina Faroli so graciously took time out of her busy day to sit down with me and share her story of passion and purpose, while she was also very busy serving as the president of the Indiana Academy. Christina is a dietitian who thrives on experiences. She has worked with the Purdue Extension office for over 20 years, and enjoys seriously working with the aging population. She enjoys creating opportunities for other dietitians in her extension office, has found her niche with grant writing, and is a great resource for anyone out there needing help in this field, and has a zest for adventure, food, and her family roots from Italy. Please enjoy my conversation with Christina. I love hearing different people and how they got to where they were. And I think that's, and I think with dietitians, that's a big, that's a big component of our profession that we need to have those conversations and we need to talk about stuff. And if we don't, then how do we know? And that's so true. So I'm glad you're willing to share. (laughs) Yeah. You don't feel like you're alone out there. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a huge point. Like I think a lot of dietitians feel that way. And maybe you know that too. Oh, yeah. After I met, it was kind of funny because, well, I I knew like Meyer had dietitians. And then I I know Marsh always had him. And I always knew who the Marsh dietitian was. But, you know, after meeting Christine, it's like, then I got to meet all kinds of retail dietitians. And Market District hired them. And, you know, there are more out there. I'm like, see, that's so cool. All you have to do is be aware Mm -hmm. of that possibility. And then you, you, 
you get connected in with them, yeah. which I'm like, oh, this is so cool. We have yeah. them too, you yeah. know? <laughs> we're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to talk more about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> we're the best kept secret. That's my line. It's we're the best kept secret. I, that's, a, I, that's a good line. It's the same thing for my work. So it just is comes, it? it rolls naturally. It's all we're the best kept secret. Yeah, go on. So let's, why don't we go back to you? Um, when was like the time that you decided or had that moment that you knew you wanted to be a dietitian? Um, when I was done with um, graduate school, it was a kind of another, I mean, it was again a slump in the economy and there really wasn't much out there. I did a postdoc that wasn't really a good fit and I'm like looking around and that was when nutrition was taken off and I'm like, well, it just kind of made sense to me. It clicked between foods and nutrition or nutrition science. There's that whole area of dietetics. But I was actually told I was crazy. As a postdoctorate. Mm-hmm. So what what was your original um, degrees in then? In um, uh, nutrition and aging. I did vitamin okay. B6 bioavailability and aging. And I still do a lot of work in the aging sector. Gotcha. A lot of work. So that was kind of an, that was a first, you've always had an interest in aging. Yeah, yeah, then. yeah, yeah. It was kind of like where it was back in the mid 90s. And then the my plate, or my plate, sorry, it was the pyramid. The my food, Yeah, the food my pyramid. My pyramid, yeah. The food pyramid guide came out. But it was kind of funny. I saw it for the first time when I was going to visit my grandma in Italy in the the airplane. Um, it's probably U.S. Air. I can't remember at the time. There's not too many that fly to Venice. Little magazine. I'm like, my, you know, the food pyramid guide. What's this? You know, I'd never <laughs> seen that because, you know, in grad school, I wasn't really you introduced to it. In that. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, it kind of built up into that. And then when I came back here, I got hired by the Saturday Evening Post to be um, an their nut- well, their medical health, nutrition, whatever editor. And writer, editor, you kind of did it all. It was mm-hmm. kind of like a family. It's a family-owned company. Family-owned company that you started working for. Yeah. So you did your you did your doctorate, and then you actually became a registered mm-hmm. dietitian after. after. Yeah, I just re- did the the extra credits, and then I did my internship with Ball State. Okay. I'd actually I was actually working for Purdue while when, you were yeah, a grad yeah. student or post grad student. Yeah, post grad. Yes. I was finishing up my credits just to get my. Uh, just so I could apply for the internship program. Sure. You know, to get the dietetics credits. It wasn't a lot. I said, did you have a lot of extra classes no. that you had to take? No. No. Because you probably just, took a ton of them already. Yeah, yeah. It just there were just some specifics. Did so you take I some could, food classes? Like, did you have yeah. to cook? <laughs> yeah, and I did that. Yeah, I yeah. had to do that. I had to do, and that was so much fun. That was kind of fun. Um, and then I had to do um, medical nutrition therapy. Oh, sure, sure. The MNT, that's yes. what it's called now, right? Yes, yes, for your internship, yeah. yeah. And then I did another little, um, I had to do an elective. So I remember I did that on aging also, because I had, I had oh, done sure. all the work on, on aging. And what else? Yeah, just, oh, uh, management classes. I had to do accounting and management. But I think oh. it was only like 12 or 14 credit hours. It didn't take so me not that long. two or three, not even two years. I don't even, I, if, if it, it flew was, by. Obviously, yeah. you liked it. So it was yeah, it went that, really quick. And so how long was your internship at Ball State then? We do nine months. Nine months. Okay. And is it more focused in anything specific or is it a very broad range? It's of- a broad. I like it because it's broad range. I don't know. It may be... It, it's probably tweaked. It's probably been, I think it's been tweaked sure. since, but it was super broad range, which I loved. 
and I didn't really have to do community, but I wanted, um, I really wanted to experience WIC and I think just WIC because I was doing community already, mm-hmm. but I wanted to experience WIC. I did food service, clinical, what was there at that time? Oh, um, skilled nursing. I did oh, around, sure. um, at a nursing home. So that's a nice opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, a lot of times they don't have that opportunity. I think they allowed me because I had a lot of the community component already. Mm-hmm. So I did the, to balance that out, I did the, the at the nursing home, which was tied with, um, it's now Eskenazi Health. It was like Field Village. Okay. So loved your internship. Yeah, yeah. it was amazing. And you had, a, and so you always felt like you were on the right path of doing the diet, of oh, being yeah. a dietitian. Yeah. That's great. There's so many opportunities. You just, and it's, it's almost like now it's kind of exciting. It's almost like too many opportunities, <laughs> you know, that you just got to take a deep breath and center yourself <laughs> and focus <laughs> and see where, you know, where you could be most effective and most and productive. And where you enjoy the most. And where you too. enjoy it the most. Sure. Yeah. So what was your first job out of your internship? Well, I, uh, Purdue Extension, I was hired on because you need to have a master's to work as an educator. So I was hired without a, an RD degree. Okay. But I wanted my RD degree. So I um, went back, did the internship. I was ready for the internship when I took the job. <laughs> and then you? I okay. got a placement in the internship and they let me flex my time. Oh, nice. So I stayed, I worked. So you worked during your internship. Oh my gosh, woman. Well, part time, <laughs> it was a win win. They saved half my salary. And That's- for me, it was like, Sure. Yeah, I got lucky. I was, but see, if you don't create, and now I think we're they're in better spots. You can write your own internship. I mean, you can go to sure. the companies and create your own internship. Mm-hmm. There's a lot but of self-directed internships. There was even that option. I hate to say, 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. that's about the time when I became a dietitian yeah. too. So we're I just people on the same same age. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't think people explore what's truly possible. Or they tend to set you know like limits for themselves. I don't know. It's just one of those things you. I'll maybe push the boundaries a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, in the most appropriate way, obviously. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Not that I gave you <laughs> I'm trouble. a little rebel raiser anyway, but it's like. <laughs> so you've been with Purdue Extension then? 20 years. for That's wonderful. Yeah, like next week or something. It was oh kind of Oh my gosh, funny. you're having like an anniversary coming up. <laughs> so tell me about more of you. You said you've had some great adventures while you've been a dietitian as well. So talk to me about that a little bit. Oh, I, yeah, I get into so many different areas. Um, I do a lot of grant writing to fund um, the programming, and that's been extremely rewarding. I was able to fund a program su- successfully called Dining with Diabetes. It's an extension, national extension program. That sounds familiar. Yeah, um, and I um, was able to fund it for about for five years consecutively, reaching um, senior audiences and providing them um, diabetes education. But more importantly, it's focused on the cooking, on how to you know, better prepare your meals. Um, I was able to hire a dietitian to teach the classes and reach a lot more. We we would reach like 300 um, seniors a year That's on great. a part-time-ish basis. So that was truly, truly rewarding. Um, and then times change, signs of the times. We still have the program. I, I said the program's still around. Yeah, the program's sure. still around. It's been updated. I, in fact, I was got it on my radar screen again to see if we can do something else with that, too. I got pulled into summer camps with youth really, really quickly. And one of my very first grants was a General Mills Champions grant. 
That's a and great. That grant. actually, a great grant. yeah, it took me a long time to get it, <laughs> but we, when we finally figured out how to grant right, it was really rewarding because um, then it was kind of like the sky's the limit, providing you know you have the capacity and the people to do the work. Sure. So I'm still doing summer camps. I've been um, funded locally by the Lilly Endowment through the Summer Youth Program Fund for probably, I want to say, 13 years, somewhere in within the 13 year time frame. So we provide, um, it's not just nutrition, there's nutrition and physical activity. I started a biking program, gardening program with them, and then we also explore some science because I felt like I wanted to make sure that the kids, there was something for all the kids. So using 4-H youth development curricula, we can offer them some really nice education-based programming. And do you create that programming? Well, I take the curriculum and then I train the assistants and they go and present it within a six week period. Okay. So you're kind of like at the, you're more at the facilitating with your, with your staff. Programming. And they actually execute that. Okay. Yeah. Because we reach 500 kids a summer. I was going to ask how many kids you, that's a lot of kids. Yeah. And that's here in the Indianapolis Mm -hmm. area. Yeah. And we use 4-H youth development curricula along with some others, um, oh, The Hungry Planet. And we had over 100 people for their lecture, their presentation. Wow. Which was a little difficult because that was cutting edge. That was like right before the you know local food movement took off. And I was like, I was a rebel raiser. My colleague who's a dietitian also was supportive of me. And they're like, oh, here we go out to this, <laughs> you know, because we were kind of traditionally housed. Sure. And now we're all about it. But it's like, oh, there goes Christina. At the time, but at the time though, you it were was, progressively yeah. thinking about yeah, where Yeah, but it was really going. good. Um, a, a colleague of mine, Carmen, had also... Um, uh, did some training on the hungry planet and brought it to us. And that kind of piqued my curiosity, got me, Carmen Darusha got me going on it. So we did a little more and now I use their materials in summer camps. Um, they have what, what the world eats, um, series which is really cool that's interesting and kids love that yeah so they go in it's more for older kids mm-hmm. so that want to get some more knowledge about what's happening yeah. in other places yeah i definitely i try to balance it out so but it, it like i said i always try to find they're like what's what do you have new last year it was bicycles um i got a special grant to place bicycles in some about five different summer camps and they rocked it um they weren't the best bicycles. Like I heard, I learned all about good bicycles, bad bicycles. I'm like, well, with what I was funded, I was funded extremely well. And it was like, but they're, they're very excited. They, and they're, you know, they're going to keep going and that's great. Yeah. So tell, I guess like when I'm thinking about your, your job, it seems like you have so many more, I know that you'll tell me some more opportunities, but when it comes to like grant writing and things like that, how does someone, do you, do you just learn it on the job or is that something that they teach you or how does that happen? Funny you should mention that because guess what I'm doing on Friday? <laughs> Are you teaching people I'm how to teaching write? teaching grant writing. <laughs> yeah, we have, we've, um, about the time I've got the Champions Grant, we had um, some staff at Purdue, specialist staff. That were into grant writing and development. So um, I took a class and then working with them, and they actually created a beginner's um, guide for grant writing program. And we probably presented it, I want to say, 10 years, a good 10 years we've we've presented it. We just um, revamped it, mm-hmm. and we're piloting it. So we piloted oh, in the fall, and now this is the second pilot of it. Um, it's a two class all day. You learn the ins and outs of grant writing, and then you're supposed to write a grant proposal. 
that's but it's not simple it's no. it's it you have to really be dedicated to it and continue to write and and I was fortunate to have someone who was hired on who worked with me collaboratively to help and she you. had yeah some experience in um in development in in the area of development and we worked hard at getting grants but we put we came we we had a lot, we pulled in a lot of grants. We were able to do a lot of work that way and still keep going, but you have to have capacity. It's only me, myself, and I. So you have to be careful of what you're applying yeah. for to make sure that you can yeah. do it. And, and it's all in conjunction with Purdue University. So we have to follow their guidelines, sure. you know, and honor their time frame. So some things work and some don't. And we, we just, I just keep looking for opportunities to, mm-hmm. to move forward. It's definitely some. Something that dietitians, um, yeah, that's one of the areas I'm thinking maybe branching out and just doing strictly for dietitians because I think it's it's a talent. It's like writing. You have to start. You have to be committed and you have to do it and do it constantly to be successful mm-hmm. or you won't. Or just like interviewing. Sure, yeah. sure. You either have to put your heart into it and understand it and learn it or you're not and be okay with that mm-hmm. and work at that level. But to have success with grant writing, you need to be doing it and being good at it and focusing on it. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of maybe doing like a course for dietitians and grant writing. Because like you said, there's tons of opportunities out there. Yeah, I already have kind of like the idea laid out. So we'll see. We'll have to, I'm going to have some you. medical downtime. So I may do something. <laughs> Are you? Well, no, it is a passion for me because I think it's an area. Dietitians can truly, truly have an impact. That's the only way we're going to make, well, you can show change. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can start, you know start on the pathway to change if you have dedicated dollars for it. Absolutely. And having dietitians being a part of the process, yeah. whether it's the programming or whether it's the grant writing. Exactly. Yeah. And fortunately with the Dining with Diabetes, I was able to um, hire a dietitian to teach it, which really brought um, value added to the program for sure. those seniors that they reached they're really able to um, develop one-on-one relationships. And the comments were kind of cool. They're like, wow, I've done many programs, but I think I finally get it. But I think it's more that person having that ability for that personal touch and spending time. It's a, it's a diabetes education and cooking school. Mm -hmm. So they make recipes, they taste test recipes. So, but without that money to do that outreach, there's no way you can do anything meaningful. Um, it, and I and, think dietitians add a special touch, whereas like maybe a chef doesn't as much, but a dietitian cooking combination. Well, that, yeah, because they can really talk to the health benefit. Sure. Um, yeah, that's an interesting area. That whole area is interesting. But having that grant writing capacity just kind of gives you that little extra that you can bring to the table, I think. I think that's great. I don't know. There's a lot of change that's happening, and I'm fine with that. But it's. I think we're really selling ourselves short in what we can actually do and bring and show value added. Well, and you think about extension. Like, I guess I did some of my internship. I did, like, a week in extension. So I didn't really get a good grasp on what all a dietitian could do in extension. So I love that you're sharing some of these things with me because I would have never thought of any of that. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, there's just a lot. It's kind of cool. Like I said, you create, and now we're definitely doing policy systems and environment. But I, um, when I joined the academy, I joined the public health community nutrition practice group, and I spent a lot of time with Morning. that dietary practice group nationally. So a lot of what I did was rooted in policy systems and environmental change before it became 
policy systems and environment because I was seeing, you know, nationally what was kind of happening back and forth. And I was able to, I don't know, try to do a, lo- a small part here in, you know, in my little microcosm mm-hmm. of Marion County. And so what, so let, let's talk more about that then. So you, you're you doing the, the kids camps and you're doing grant writing. What other kind of opportunities have you had? Oh, Elders at the Table is really cool. Um, it's a coalition or EAT coalition. I shouldn't say Elders at the Table because there aren't any Elders at the Table. <laughs> I have to be careful. EAT stands for Elders at the Table. It's a coalition of service providers that provide, um, well, our motto is to um, end senior hunger and malnutrition. So okay. I, we, I work with Central Indiana Council on Aging. Oh, wait. I always say that wrong. Sokoa Aging and In-Home Solutions. I need to say it right. I'm so old school. <laughs> Sokoa Aging and In-Home Solutions um, and Meals on Wheels. Mm-hmm. And then Purdue Extension and then Community Centers um, and Second Helpings, um, which is a food rescue. Oh, so is that like a food rescue yeah, or food, food bank? Food rescue organization and gleaners. Okay. Um, we and all sit gleaners? at the table. Um, it's the Feeding America. Okay. Okay. Food bank. Gotcha. We all sit together. We're all at the, at the elders at the table, and we um, work toward creating solutions to, you know, end senior hunger and malnutrition. So we we um, we created co-located pantries. So wherever there's a, a congregate meal program, we, we wanted to make sure that there was a pantry so seniors could pick up food while they while you they know, come for a meal, come for their meal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sokoa had a voucher program where for um, $6 seniors either um, they get a voucher and then they can go redeem it wherever you can, wherever they contract to redeem it. So mm-hmm. currently hospitals are, have been contracted to take the voucher. Oh, like a, at their cafeteria? Mm-hmm. or Yeah, yeah oh, so they nice. kind of flexed their congregate meal and did some vouchers. Uh-huh. So, yeah, well, if they're there getting either like a, services or sure. visiting, they can, or if it's close by, they can go for a really good meal on, I, I'm going to say it's like a $7 voucher. Uh-huh. And then you can also buy vouchers and donate money so seniors oh, would have vouchers. Nice. Or you can buy it yourself to bring your friend so then, you know, you don't have to, you can, you know, Exchange you're all in the same. Yeah, yeah you're all sure. in the same. Because the voucher is good for a specific healthy meal. That's options. a great idea. Yeah, so we, we supplemented the voucher program. Um, we improved pantries. I know we were able to help one pantry become more accessible. We were able to buy refrigerators for uh, two or three other pantries so then they could provide, you know. Uh, cold items. Yeah, cold items and stuff. And then wow. we also focused on new, um, nutrition education materials. We created some recipe cards that were the really cool recipe cards for out of that project. It was actually a grant we went after. It was a local grant that helped facilitate that project. This year's project was creating um, a presentation to be delivered in in the community to raise awareness about senior hunger and malnutrition, and I'm doing it in two weeks for public health. Are you one? So you really do focus a lot with the aging population. That's may, mainly your focus, and then the kids in the summer. Yeah, my bosses <laughs> may not like to hear that, but there are true. I mean, they know us. They know Extension, and mm-hmm. they've been my local. I mean, they've been my followers. They've been there. 
Um, I do work also with our master gardeners. We have oh, a master do you, are gardener you a master person. gardener? No, I'm not. No? I need to go through it. I just have time to go through the whole. I was whole, like, when would you have time to go through do that? Do the program. Yeah. But um, I, I do a lot of their trainings. I have a, a really nice following. I offered some nutrition trainings, and now they want more. Oh, wonderful. But they're, um, they're a very, um, very fun, dynamic audience who really appreciates you know, research-based, evidence-based information. Which is right up our so, alley. Yeah, I had 52 yeah. for the the new food label, which is in limbo now. 52 <laughs> came to hear me speak. Well, that's wonderful. That's, I mean, you guys must have a, quite the master gardener. Oh, we do. In Indian, in, yeah. yeah we big. have close to a million um, residents in Marion County. We're like 900 and okay. um, four whatever, 48,000, whatever. Sure. I forget the last census. They were hoping to be over a million, but I don't think we made it, but we're a little Close. over 900,000. Yeah. <laughs> we're not too, too far. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's wonderful. So you said that you have traveled as well. So let's go back to your your writing for the magazine and kind of where that, where did that come from? And Well, the, um, the magazine I wrote for was the Saturday Evening Post, um, which was bought by the Benjamin Franklin Society here in Indianapolis, and it was brought lock, stock, and barrel here to Indianapolis. And it was, um, the editor-in-chief was Dr. Corey Servas, and um, the focus was definitely medical health, wellness, and fitness. So um, really, I was really drawn to that, because it was in the mid-90s, again, when when the three, you know, we had that interface between medicine, mm-hmm. nutrition, health, wellness, and fitness coming together. So I was really excited to join that team and start writing and editing for the magazine. Like I got to meet Dr. Ken Cooper before he was like super famous. And that was just so amazing to meet Dr. Cooper. Um, I was there when he was interviewed for the health show. Okay. Um, So it was just very, very exciting. Um, We wrote cutting edge medical articles we wrote on helicobacter pylori when they first you know first isolated that That ulcers were caused by bacteria and i met the doctor now i forget who it was (laughs) but i was able to meet him we interviewed him we did a whole spread in the magazine and then we did a tv show um i remember interviewing on cord blood when it was becoming you know it was cutting edge and now it's kind of like all these are common day, yeah, common terminology that we don't even blink at. But um, twenty-two years ago, twenty-three, it was all cutting it was edge. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun and exciting. Well, it was like a huge learning process for you too. It was, yeah, and it was so yeah. I learned something new, researched a lot, and it really fit with the dietetics um, profession. So I was really excited because I I really was committed to moving into and getting my RD degree then and it mm-hmm. kind of helped me along that process and the magazine was also really heavily food focused looked at food and the core you know and its impact on health and and wellness which was right up my alley um, I remember the connection between folate and heart disease sure. and vitamin b12 and um, homocysteine levels and just like that whole spectrum when that came out we were there cutting edge it was kind of cool but it, again it was so early on that it was cool yet people were having a hard time accepting it because it was early phases of what now we see every day mm-hmm. and we accept it so much more but it was kind of it was so exciting to be so cutting edge and you were you said you were the editor 
Yes, I was one of the edit- one writer of editor, okay. one of the editors. So you were kind of a jack of all trades with it. You were yeah. doing a lot of everything: interviewing, yeah. editing, writing. We all pitched in mm-hmm. to put it together, which was really fun because I got to learn a lot of different components of putting a magazine together and putting it to bed. Yeah. Well, you, obviously, writing is in your blood. Whether it's grant writing or writing for a magazine, or that must be kind of one of your passions. It is. Um, yeah, it goes back to high school. <laughs> you liked writing in high school? Well, yeah, we were, it was one of the foundations that we were taught really well to oh, okay. write. And yeah. I think that just carried me through. And then at the university level, when you're you know, going to science sure. and research, you're also communication is really big. And uh, when I went through, it was huge. And I did a lot of writing. It was also fun. Mm -hmm. Literature, writing and literature um, from high school, we had a really strong foundation and that carried through um, during college. But I think it served me well. I mean, once you get a really good foundation in whatever core areas you like, those are just springing boards for careers for you that you don't under, you just cannot imagine where they'll lead you. Because being comfortable working at the newspaper, I was able to go on TV and on radio, and it's just so exciting. And that's stuff that you also enjoy, too. Definitely. Yeah, I do. I do. Um, just sharing and, and, and just sharing with the audience and just relaying research-based, evidence-based best practices, which, which is huge, mm-hmm. um, and getting the right information out there for people. And it was, and it's fun. I was so fortunate that um, the people who I'd worked with were really top notch and so professional, and we had fun too when we did interviews. Well, that's good. That's yeah. supposed to be fun. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be. <laughs> Some people might not think it's as fun as you think it is. <laughs> Some people might think it's nerve wracking, but like you said, I think when, like when you have a good support system and you enjoy the people that you're working with, it doesn't. Yeah, I was. I was extremely fortunate um, to really have gotten in with really good interviewers, extreme professionals. So yeah, for me, it's fun. Mm-hmm. My mom taught me a lesson a long, um, a long time ago that I'd get upset if things weren't like ended up exactly the way I wanted <laughs> it. She's like, are they real? Is it really going to matter two weeks, a year from now, how it came <laughs> out? Well, there's, you know, of course you got to be careful with ethics and, sure. you know, and those issues, but she was right. As long as you're sharing the truth and it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's evidence-based and best practices, it is what it is. There's yeah, exactly. Which is what's great about our profession that so much of what we do is evidence-based and it has a good science background too. Yeah. And we morph and develop and change as the science develops. And I think we always want to be, um, so rigid and black and white and have answers. And I'm kind of, I like it nowadays that we kind of accept that little gray area a little more. Mm-hmm. Not that it's it's not always good to live in. I mean, you do need to have accountability and follow the science and understand why it's there. But also living in that gray area isn't bad because we're not a one size fit all. And I feel like up until now, we've always treated people like one size fits all. I I agree. <laughs> I agree. And that's what I, I agree with you with. I like, because you're the little rebel, like you'd said before. <laughs> but I'm kind of the same way. That's how I feel about we have those parameters, but it's always good to kind of maybe test the gray zone a little bit and see if it works for, for other people. And I've also had to develop and become that to a certain degree because I do a lot of outreach educational programming because that's truly my job. That's the hat I wear. Um, working with Purdue Extension um, in Marion County, which is Indianapolis, we provide a- outreach educational um, programming 
to um, the Marion County residents. And as I go out and, you know, present programming and topic areas that people are interested in learning more, people will ask me and question me back. And, you know, I have to understand where they're coming from Mm -hmm. and also honor that. I mean, I have a right to respectfully tell you, well, that's not the way it works. (laughs) But, you know, if that's the way you want to take it, I mean, that's your prerogative. But, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the science. But we're also seeing that there are some variations. We're not all, you know, one size fits all. Um, and and at the same time, that's also frustrating. I think for the medical professions, mm-hmm. the healthcare professions, because we don't have all the answers. But we've made some great strides. And being dietitians, I feel like we're on the forefront of all that. That we can really be there and truly make a difference for these people. Some people actually, I see them like, ah, take a sigh, and when, <laughs> or when I say something that that it reinforces them, you just kind of see them, like, kind of be okay with with what they were thinking or where sure. they were at. And I'm like, fine, I'm glad. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that this has reinforced what you were thinking and really helped you on your pathway to, you know, whatever you're seeking for yourself health-wise, mm-hmm. basically. And one of my favorite programs, and I know probably my, my um, bosses don't understand it, is, is the program I do with chocolate and the health benefits of chocolate. Oh, those are the best classes. It's the best. I pull. I don't think they realize. I mean, the numbers that I I I had over seventy, and no, I think I reached a hundred people in, in February with that program. But it's all research based, and mm-hmm. you know, you point out, yeah, I mean, it's not going to substitute for a blood pressure pill, and no. it's not going to change. But you know, it, it it does taste good, and if you want to be, you know, take a piece of chocolate every day and be you know, disciplined to do that, mm-hmm. then that is an option, but it's not going to be the answer to everything. No, too bad it can't be the cure-all, yeah. right? We would love it to be. <laughs> it would be. But a funny, but the funny ha-ha afterwards, um, a lovely lady come up and to me and she goes, I, I think she said she was like 102 and she ate a piece of chocolate every day of her life. And I'm See, like, if that's go. all it takes, I'm like, I'm there with you. Yes, but absolutely. that's just one solution for one person. Because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously I I love chocolate every day, but some days I don't get it. And, you know, it, it, the power of medicine is still the power of medicine. Sure, sure. But you can't discredit other, you know, chocolate had has been used medicinally. and. Mm-hmm. It's still the best thing for an upset stomach in my book. (laughs) (laughs) For me, at least. Yeah, Yeah, for me. So when it comes to programming, it sounds like you really get to kind of create the kind of programs that you feel works best for your community. Yes, we do. And the community, yeah, then they do request. I do get emails and phone calls requests. And then we have target programs. Purdue Extension has quality programming that specialists, um, they're also peer reviewed. Mm-hmm. And that's like the Dining with Diabetes, Be Heart Smart. Um, we also um, teach Serve Safe. Oh, sure. The yeah. Tra- yeah, yeah. A restaurant yes. certification and training. Yes program. Um, so we, we really focus and specialize on research-based programs. We have extension across the country that we pull from. I just purchased a Mediterranean diet program from Penn State. Oh, okay. They had a vegetarian eating more veggies program. Um, so, so you can kind of use, you can kind of go nationwide and find programs that maybe would be good from other extensions that would work in your community. Yes, definitely. You, That's the power of extension. Yeah, I, I never realized that, you know, I, I mean, that Common sense says yes, you could do that, but I would never have realized. Well, that. It, yeah, you, the land grant university system is what Extension aligns with, and there's a land grant university in every state. 
So we're in every state and we pretty much serve every county. If we're not in every county, then services provided to those counties. Just sure. different states organized differently. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's our mission to provide educational outreach programming for the the public. It's to extend the university out into the communities mm-hmm. and to make a difference. That's such a good message. I and I, you know, I you kind of got me excited. I think I would like to work for extension. That would be a great job. <laughs> it is. Well and I I I guess I never as dietitians when you're looking for that job, I don't think that's something that you know, that you're looking, oh, I want to work in extension because I think that there's so many limitless opportunities with extension. Definitely. There is. There's all kinds of um, positions available. Now we have through the um, SNAP Ed program. Oh, sure. We have community wellness coordinators and then we have nutrition education paraprofessionals who do the boots on the ground teaching Mm -hmm. of the SNAP Ed program. Um, I am an extension educator. I have a master's or actually I have my PhD degree. So you're required to have an advanced degree. And that aligns really great with where we're going with, um, you know, the, the new mandate for dietitians having master's sure. degrees. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that'll open up possibilities and create more job opportunities for dietitians mm-hmm. in, in the future. Fingers crossed. Yeah, can only hope. <laughs> it is really important. And, and to keep that connection with the people, um, I know we, we tend to go, and I love using technology, and, and we have the Extension e-community, which is an online community where you can get educational programming, which is fantastic. Just Google a topic, and there's a community of practice that you can find great research-based materials. But the power of reaching the people is also really, really um powerful. I mean, they like to connect with you and I connect with them mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a good connection. I think, like you yeah. said, like just having that person in your audience ask that nutrition question that they've been thinking about for such a long time because they saw it in the news or they saw it in, in a TV show, but then you gave them the right answer. Not or the right or answer, clarification the, of the, yeah, yeah. clarify their, their, Questions, so they you gave them the appropriate science based information to help them understand the topic. Yeah, you that, see, yeah, their light, their eyes light I up, bet. or it's like kind of like the <laughs> eureka moment, or they'd been reading but they weren't really clear that it was they were getting the right message because mm-hmm. there's a lot of misinformation out there, and it's just a matter of continuing, you know, to get the correct messages, and they it may not be the message they want, and that feels <laughs> uncomfortable. I've been in that position, sure. But as professionals, that's what we're there for, and having the data there helps to show that. And and they're they're very receptive. They're very they were okay with that. I know they wanted it to be a different message, but it's like, well, not for now. We'll see. Maybe it could change. Yeah, yeah, research could you know could prove us wrong. It has in the past. It has definitely, absolutely. Well, and that's where maybe in two years you'll be giving a presentation about that, and it'll be a different. Yeah, it will scenario. be a more powerful or cha- and everybody will be happy. Mm-hmm. So you said before when we were talking that you love to write and you do the grant writing, and you do all that other writing, but you said that someday you'd like to have a blog and you'd like to do some things. So yeah, I was kind of tossing around topics that would kind of be um, fit in with my passion. Because there's writing for every, you know, we do newsletters, and that's kind of like getting information out, which is important, extremely important. But when I think about it, if you're going to do anything, you might as well do something that you're passionate about. So I'm like, I was thinking about that, you know, when you can't sleep or you're tossing and turning. So it's like, <laughs> what should I do? Where's my passion? And I don't know. There's some topics that I'm kind of niggling around in my brain. On, um, one that's 
near and dear to my heart, which is a, a really good um, conversation locally in Indianapolis, is food justice. The food justice topic is... So tell me more about that. Maybe I don't know enough about that. It really goes um, hand in hand with um, food insecurity. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Making sure people have access to um, food mm-hmm. and healthy food. You know, um, solving the food insecurity problem. We do have, unfortunately, a high food insecurity rate. We have poverty, mm-hmm. but we also have a f- high food insecurity rate, which is, you know, people are working maybe two or three jobs and they're trying to make ends meet and and they're working so hard and yet there's no food on the table on a consistent basis like every day, which is truly what's needed to be healthy mm-hmm. and for for healthy aging throughout the lifespan. So food justice has been some of the conversations as I've been reaching out to different community centers and engaging with different groups. We have a very active local food movement, um, even through our office, through our urban ag program. Mm. We've been able to connect some of that. So I was kind of thinking, well, if you talked about food justice, where would some of these conversations go? One of the things I've noticed, and there's no right or wrong, I'm, I'm trying to live in that gray area I, I described <laughs> earlier. There's a lot of people that want to get involved in this conversation, yet they really don't have all the information about uh-huh. it. Like, I've spent a lot of time working with older adults who don't have access to food. We serve predominantly as, um, at-risk audience space as extension. An underserved at-risk audience is truly who we serve. So obviously food insecurity, um, people who just are out of different systems, like out of banking systems, if sure. you're in family resource management, who we really work with people who kind of need that leg up in society. So the food justice really made, um, really hit it home because, you know, you can have a lot of food around, you can have an access to a lot of food, but are the, are, is everybody buying the right food and able to prepare it and, and is it nourishing their body? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a question. What would you do around that topic? Kind of started to think about the food deserts in our area because mm-hmm. there's a there's a move. Well, we need more healthy um, food, healthy grocery stores. It, it's a big topic here in Indianapolis. Um, and to to really strike home the thought, um, there's an area of town, the Northwest, that I actually have do a lot of work in with a community center there. And this conversation came up. And I did stand up and describe what a food desert was. And in that area, there is um, a Sam's Club, a Walmart, and probably a mini Walmart. or um, Like a market, something. Walmart market. Yeah. And then, of course, there's Dollar General and, and all those stores. So then, again, I, I wake up and I think all these things. I woke <laughs> up and I thought... Well, if I wanted to go to the grocery store within a two-mile or less radius, I have five different grocery stores I can drive to. Well, in that area, those are the only grocery stores. In the whole area? In like a five-mile, okay, sure. ten-mile area. So in two miles, I have five different grocery chains. And in this one area, they have three. And the Sam's Club, you have to be a member of. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, it just was like an aha moment for me of what we're really facing in different communities. And we don't even think about it because we drive past the Walmart or, you know, (laughs) we drive past and it's like, well, there's a lot of food around, but is it really accessible? Can they get there? Can they purchase it? You know, what Uh is the quality of the food there? So food justice would would kind of 
take a look at some of those questions. And then, you know, how much money are people making and can they afford, truly afford healthy food? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, and it sounds like you're very passionate. I mean, like just being observant of your community and saying, oh gosh, this does kind of sink in and, and make sense. So as a dietitian, I think that's an important message to kind of start, let's look at what's happening around like that. Do well, we, we have, have to. We do. And I, you know, I think about we live in these big cities and we drive by eight different places to eat. But the big thing is, can they get there? Do they have the money to buy the appropriate amount of healthier options? There's so many other things that go into play that yeah. people don't talk about. And, and even healthier food options, are those the ones that they're actually going to go to and, and purchase if they're not familiar with them? Very They'll true. be using, you know, their whatever food options that they're familiar and at their price point. And we just don't factor all these in. Sure, within that two-mile radius or three, whatever it is, it may, it, I doubt it goes more than two to three miles. There's a lot of fast food places mm-hmm. and there's a lot of um, upscale, fa- I don't know how you would upscale the, there's different tiers of fast yes, food. Yes, <laughs> Just to be politically correct or nice to everyone, because I love them too. But it's like, if you take a look at who goes to where, mm-hmm. there is a def- definitely a um, food access, um, money access um, hierarchy there. And that's what food justice, I in my brain, would kind of look at that. Do pe- do, you know, are they making enough money? Is there enough money to buy the healthier food? or make the choices or go and purchase those choices. Can they get there too? Mm -hmm. So, and these are, they're not comfortable conversations. No. No. And I think as dietitians, we're just so used to everybody having food. So we just want to tell people how to eat it and use it. But we're, we really need to kind of maybe go to that part and say, well, first we got to make sure that they're getting it. Mm-hmm. Then we'll go on to that. Then teach them how to yes, make it. And yes. then hopefully they'll have time to make it because that was another aha um, moment I had in Fency when it was in Boston. Um, were we in Boston? Mm-hmm. No, we were. No, we weren't in Boston. It was the year before we went to Boston. Uh-huh. And um, the CEO of Trader Joe's presented his new concept, which was the Daily Table. And he thought, you know, you build it, you bring them food, and they will come. Well, he built it, brought food, but they didn't come. And he was working on a, a nonprofit model and utilizing rescued food and, and part of food within the food supply system that, you know, is, is still acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was able to stock it, but people weren't coming because they just, it, it was, they could afford it. But when they went home, I mean, when you're tired or you're sick or you have kids or you're worried about how you're going to pay your bills, the last thing in your, you want to do is sit there and cook a two, you know, say two hours preparing a meal. Mm-hmm. You want that 30 minute or 20 minute and less meals. Exactly. So his reinvention of that model of the daily table model was having meals and food ready to go. And I had a chance to do a study tour when we were in Fancy in Boston this year to the daily table. And the guy could not keep the food stocked on the shelves. It was flying out. The groceries sold a little bit, but it was that prepared, the the healthy prepared food that was going, just flying off the shelves. Mm -hmm. And so I try to be a little, keep that in mind too, as we're looking at solutions locally. But there's just so much within that scope and framework that has to happen. It's those first steps that you have to start moving that needle forward and then maybe you can get to that end stage. Mm-hmm. 
I grew up from a, with a culture of having food on the table, and food was extremely important in my family. I'm Italian. Oh, well, of course it is. And Sunday dinners with Grandma were obligatory. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole family had to go, had to be at the house for Sunday dinner. So I grew up in a huge food culture. Mm-hmm. Where you always food. had food, except it was yes. always there for you, too. Yeah, and... But we grew food, and we went and bought it and preserved it. We would can. I mean, we, um, yeah, we paid attention to our dollars really carefully sure. and, you know, saved. And But food was extremely important And you probably us. all, did you all cook together, too? Yes, we yes. all cooked. Oh, yeah. It was like a day. It was like a day. Yeah. Well, my mom was the primary food preparer but then everyone chipped in yeah Uh yeah the family dinners everyone had to pitch in Mm -hmm. and now that most people don't even do yeah that dynamic is all changed so there's still still some families but that's because our family has gotten smaller you know we've you know we've lost family members it's how and you stretch out and you kind of go all over the place yeah we yeah we're all yeah exactly and the we used to travel a lot more we'd connect with family in uh, in in um chicago and they would come down but you know the dynamics have shifted as we do as we're we're doing business differently as we're working differently our jobs are so different mm-hmm. um schools my cousins have kids they're in school oh, sure. and now they have yeah. grandkids you oh, know yeah. that whole <laughs> dynamic and then it's all about driving we didn't drive as much when i was growing up mm-hmm. cuz you're in close yeah proximity. so it was no big deal to take a road trip up to chicago but now because we drive a lot you know you kind of just in everyday life you don't want to yeah. go drive again on the <laughs> But it has shifted, and the focus has shifted. So I love movements that, you know, like the slow food movement or movements that try to um, harken back to those days where you you go back to the table, you slow down, you you take your time. Um, It kind of sounds like that's that's your passion kind of, too, besides writing, but kind of focusing more back to the family, back to cooking, back to the kitchen table, but then also making sure that people have access to make that happen. Exactly. And, you know, it's kind of interesting going out into communities. It's kind of fun to see the groups that are still doing that and that are really centered mm-hmm. on that tradition and that are so involved in bringing that experience to the community. So it's really rewarding when I can see it in action. Sure. And I'd love just to be able to help it multiply out. And family mealtime, that is also one of the areas that we promote as dietitians and mm-hmm. also as cooperative extension, the importance of family mealtimes, part of the SNAP-Ed program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the messages of just sitting down and listen, and sharing as a family or even as friends. Mm-hmm. Um, when I lived in Europe, um, I hung out with the Americans, and we would get together and have meals together. We'd either go to the cafeteria or we'd go to somebody's house, and we would someone would cook. It would always be there. We'd <laughs> rotate out. But, I mean, it was still a shared experience. I have very fond memories. One of my big ones was um, pancakes with real whipped cream and maple syrup from Canada. Oh, my goodness. That sounds Because so pancakes delicious. aren't Italian. But yeah, anyway. no. <laughs> <laughs> but we all, like, gathered and, and made it, and then we, we sat down and ate it all. And but, it again, it was a very much uh, shared experience mm-hmm. around food. We still did a lot of that that just meeting and bonding and, and sharing around that and well, creating the, that community. Well, and the statistics, too, of just family mealtime or friend mealtime, they're just the – positive all the statistics around that is amazing oh yeah the yeah the kids um do better with their grades Mm -hmm. 
their behavior. They miss less school. They have less, um, uh, yeah, they're connecting to a lot of different really positive statistics, mm-hmm. and the negative ones are kind of dampened down, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's data that goes across studies, so Absolutely. it's really positive. But it's just that human connection, I think, that um, is so important to really, really reinforce. But I understand I work with child care providers and, you know, the stories, and they really they really do an amazing job with what they what do. What they have. <laughs> and, yeah, with what they have and what they bring to those kids. You always hear the horror stories, and it really it's like I wish that the good, positive stories are told. Came out, too. About mm-hmm. the ones that, you know, the ones that are working in the in in the trenches. I call it trenches. Um Anybody who works with kids, I, my hat's off to them. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and just the passion and dedication and commitment that they give those kids day in and day out mm-hmm. and the experience that they want them to have is just remarkable. And even around food, um, one of the first trainings I, I attended was an Ellen Satter training when I'd first joined Extension. And she's still amazing, um, you know, the feeding relationship and feeding children and and just approaching it from a positive healthy perspective and letting mm-hmm. kids be kids and yeah. self select except except we all want to control you know we're it's part of our nature <laughs> it's our part of our care yeah it completely is well and you're kind of doing the same thing by working for extension and going out and the trenches, I mean, yeah. kind of. That's definitely, you're just doing it in a different way. In a, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we do. We do. Mm-hmm. That is our mission, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really look at it that way. Because, <laughs> well, if you enjoy what you're doing, it's, yeah, it's really true. rewarding to um, see the positive outcomes and to see how it really, truly can make a difference, which sure. is our annual meeting conference I know, theme. that's your theme this year, which is great. So when you think about, you've done all this amazing things, but what is... What does the future look like for you when you think about being a dietitian? Oh, you know, grant writing is really, it's really a a large component of the work I do Mm -hmm. because by writing grants, I'm able to impact more people. Sure. For the money. For the money. In the programming. Mm-hmm. In the program. It just makes sense when you, when you look at a community, public health community type of work. If you cannot bring grants and dollars to the table, you're really not going to be effective. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be efficient either. Sure. <laughs> but you really want to make a difference and reach, as, you know, reach a number of people that you can have an impact with. So grant writing um, will definitely be in my future. Mm-hmm. Um, it will always be part of the, my future. I'd like to reach out and do more, you know, training and mentoring. I, I am a preceptor. Are you? I love working with students because I love what they teach me. Absolutely. I agree. <laughs> and, and what they accomplish and create, they just blow me away. And I just love that. I love it. They're, all of them have just been amazing and just brought so much to the, my position and when and I let them get involved um, and let them actually create and and if they like to teach or want to teach I you know it's whatever they want is That's fine great. by me so more of that more mentoring more facilitating the food justice pieces out there um, it is a big piece um, I think because things are moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, we're never going to get away from food insecurity, hunger, sure, poverty. No. So that area will pro- more than likely, it's it's kind of been rooted back since high school in my 
genetic programming, if you mm-hmm. want to call it yeah. genetic programming. <laughs> the high school I went to, yeah, you could definitely say it was genetically programmed into me. <laughs> into you. Yeah, they clicked on those genes for sure. Gotcha. But I, I, I see that as an all good. All of those The things. way you look at yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. All those sound amazing. Well, and you also volunteer for your state academy. Yes. And how have you enjoyed that as well as oh, part of the so journey? Much. Yes, it was a, <laughs> it's been a great journey. We've done, um, it was a, a, in a year, we've put a lot in there. Um, we did strategic, we did strategic planning, updating. The part that I've really enjoyed a lot, which I also do a little bit about, a little, very, very extremely small amount for extension is advocacy. Because mm-hmm. that's not really a hat that is an appropriate hat to wear, but, you know, I can advocate for myself mm-hmm. as a citizen. Sure. So I try to do that. And then I also advocate as a dietitian. I try to really be active with the academy and then with the Indiana Academy. So the part I really, really enjoyed was interacting um, with our uh, public policy panel mm-hmm. and working with that. I also got, um, I don't do clinical at all in my field. And with extension, we just don't interface. I think there there could be some really interesting models. Um, that would be a, definitely an area for potential growth. But at the moment, that's not on our radar screen. So learning more about the clinical and writing diet orders and um, state-to-state differences has mm-hmm. just been, I loved learning about that and working with the, our public policy team on that. We hosted, our public policy team hosted a, an amazing um, registered dietitian day at the state house. Which is fun. Which People is People need so to much do, go attend that because it's a great opportunity. They definitely need to get involved and engaged. We had a phenomenal student turnout. So thank you to all the universities who supported that. <laughs> I was just amazed. Um, it was just a great way for them to learn on how you can truly affect change. I tend to do a little bit more of that because I'm also with the, I'm in a Kiwanis. I'm in oh, Kiwanis. Okay, yeah. I'm actually in two clubs at the moment. But <laughs> Where do you find time for all this stuff? I'm oh mentoring goodness. a club. Okay. <laughs> but my club is really exciting. It's um, the club I, I belong to formally is kind of like a shaker and a mover club. So I do meet a lot of different people and oh, a lot sure. of them are politicians. So it's easy for me to talk to them. I have no problem talking That's to anybody. That's a great anybody. connection though. But they're willing to talk back. Absolutely. To, I mean, they're willing to share their perspective. And the last one we had, we had both sides. Um, and it was just before RD day. So I was able to talk to both both parties and get their perspective on what's important in our legislature. And we have, you know, we have a hot and heavy bill going through and it's, it's actually gotten table. It's a healthy food financing bill. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen what's with gonna it. What's going to happen with that? Yeah. Passed the Senate and um, we'll see what happens in the house. But well, and I think that's like, I, I, I didn't know a lot about policy until I became president of my organization and I was, and I found it very interesting too. So I think, that's a great way to get involved with how you said how we can make a change make and a have difference. a voice. Yeah. And actually talk to people, whether whatever side they're on. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I had a very interesting conversation that day about the healthy financing bill with two different opposing. And I just, <laughs> you know, I just took it Well, I'm just having a conversation with you. I told him I disclosed who I was and who I worked with and just said, you know, I mean, and he was sharing his points and I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I understand your perspective, but you know, on the other side, there's always two two sides to a coin. Absolutely. So <laughs> it's just not, um, you know, being comfortable and knowing. And that's the one thing. Dietitians are so well prepared. 
they need to continue to be well prepared and do all the coursework and pay attention and learn it because then you can do so much once you're out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially the masters will prepare you or a doctorate and whatever you do it in will just give you that little extra training that will be able to put you in a lot of different scenarios out there that will, you can make a difference. You can have an impact. Well, you're definitely making a difference. <laughs> oh, I hope so. You I mean, are. eventually. Just by being a mentor, though, and, you know, just by being part of your community and educating. And, I mean, you're making a huge impact. It's You just don't see it on the grand scale of things. but I Yeah, I hope so. I think my <laughs> colleagues, they, every time I have an idea or I hear something and I say something, they, I'm sure they roll their eyes. But it's, it's once you see something that you can change and you see a way to do it, why not do it mm-hmm. if it's appropriate? Obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> within the parameters. Absolutely, of, and you have time, and yeah. you're you have an interest. That's but that's how you can create change, and that's how you get to change mm-hmm. too. That's a very good message. Very good message. You have me all inspired now. I think I want to. I kind of want to get more involved with the food justice. I think that's a very good. That's an up and coming thing that we really need to be a part of. And the there's conversation. a lot of. Yeah, there's a lot of different sectors to that, and it could be different in different areas of the country. And because I know there's food policy councils, there's food councils. Um, I know um, if you do missionary work, you know a lot of faith-based, com- you know, communities and churches have components of that. So that's probably true. Yeah, take a look and see how it's translated or how it comes about within your community locally. Yeah, locally sure. and how how you feel comfortable too, mm-hmm. cluing, um, fitting into that. And I think there's a, there's a place for everybody. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. But like you said, with our expertise, we do, we need, we need to share that and we need to be part of that with a lot of different entities that we just don't think about. Exactly. It's not their traditional role all the time, right? Right. <laughs> but that's not bad. No, We no. need to get outside of tr- traditional. And I've had those little, like, aha moments. I mean, a lot of people know me because I've interacted with a lot of people over 20 years. But besides that type of, you know, three, uh, how many how many degrees of connection was it? Six degrees Six of de- Kevin Bacon or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> However, but, you know, does your you know, your friends are truly, really, truly know what you do or the full scope of what you do. And unless you share or put yourself out there appropriately, you don't Mm because we tend to pigeonhole ourselves. I, and you're giving so much, I was always going to ask, you know, I like, I like to ask my guests what their advice is for dietitians that just any, what's the best advice? Like if you had to give a dietitian, I think you just kind of gave it like, don't pigeonhole yourself and don't pigeonhole. In fact, I was kind of sharing my philosophy at our training um, last Friday, and I had three dietitians with me, and they're, you know, they're like, well, what's going to happen? What do you do? I said, well, you want to get as much training and education that would will move you forward, because they were young. I'm I'm not old, but I'm getting married. You're not and, old. <laughs> no, I'm not old, but times change, and you do need to have a career path and and continually reinvent yourself. So I was sharing um, basically on the masters and do you get it or not get it? And they were asking me about a masters, um, masters of science versus an, an MA or mm-hmm. an MS. I said, well, I think it's just important that you get an advanced degree because mm-hmm. that's really going to help you when you're going to be out there competing against 
everybody else that's out in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we don't see that big picture because we just see what's in our own little sphere and where we want to be or, or work or, or move about. But if you move to a different coast or you move to another state or even want to jump outside of your, your area of employment, then you need some skill development. And I think that's, I think it's smart to have a master requirement. Um, it's taken me a while to put the whole big picture together. Mm-hmm. And and there's a lot of options out there for them. So hopefully I got them thinking a little bit about, about it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not a one-size-fits-all or a one-model for everyone. And I think that is the most exciting part of our profession today. I feel like we're just at the cusp of really bursting out at the seams and becoming truly, truly all that we can be as dietitians. Um, I'm already starting to see that in a lot of different sectors as I meet a lot of different dietitians. It's, I bet, like being a mentor and just working with other dietitians. That is exciting. You guys should see her face, the big smile on her face right now. It's, it's amazing because really cool. it is exciting. It is exciting it is. as a dietitian. It is. Absolutely. I mean, you could be a dietitian and be a lawyer. We have um, dietitians who are politicians now. Mm-hmm. I just interviewed a, a dietitian who's a lawyer. So that. You can connect a lot of things with the dietitian for sure, for sure. Well, I want to do a. We'll have to do a part two sometime because yeah. I would love to see what happens with you in the next five years. Five years, definitely. <laughs> I think yeah, it's going to be done. very exciting. And if you start doing some like education with the um, grant writing, I think that would be a great resource for for dietitians. For dietitians, I know that's something I would be interested in for sure. So yeah, it's like skill development and grant writing. Truly, is it is a tailored skill development. Oh, I'm sure. Um, you can do a one shot for everybody, but it's. To be effective and and really helpful and really skill building, you really have to meet them where they're at, that where that sense. person and 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 kind of help them develop the area that they want to develop. Because there's youth development, there's community development. Oh, sure I work with um, nutrition and food grants and health grants, and each one is specifically kind of tailored for that in that area and you have mm-hmm. to keep up with all that um, oh my gosh <laughs> that seems like a lot it seems kind of overwhelming but it is but if that's your passion yes and that's what you dedicate and and you look and that's what you're focused on it really isn't difficult and i i always found that once you're focused and on a path things come to you your eye mm-hmm. pretty easily without you searching for it yeah and to stay on that path so um you know, synchronicity, faith, it's kind of nice because then you know you're on that path and, and it's like, this is good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing. All- well, I'm. we are going to have a part two okay. someday. This is fun. <laughs> I like this. Well, I have some fun questions for you. You've asked all these serious questions. Um, what's your favorite food? Oh, I'm Italian. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you lived in Europe. Yes, I lived in Italy. My family is actually from Italy. Okay. Um, we're from uh, north of Venice in the Alps. Um, oh, my gorgeous. The Dolomites, actually. Um, so lasagna is high up there. I'm a big pasta gal. Um, do, you cook, do you cook these things a lot yourself? Yeah. Yes. We grew yes. up, my mom would cook lasagna and pastas. and. So you have all of her recipes. Yes. And yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. And then recipes passed down from family members. Oh, sure. Um, 
you know, great memories of meals with friends and all this lovely Italian food at the table. Um, probably other, after pasta, my big all-time favorite is polenta because polenta is Northern Italian yes. staple. You'll have to share with me your favorite polenta recipe because I love polenta. <laughs> I do. And I never it's, thought I'd like it before. And I was so like, it's delicious. It's, so, so, it's a microwave recipe. Are you serious? <laughs> There's a lot of different styles now. There's the rapid cook and... The old-fashioned one, you, 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 it's either over a wood wood stove, wood, firewood stove, oh or a gas stove, and you actually stir it for like forty-five minutes. Oh my gosh! But you now they have upper arm workout. Yeah, you would, <laughs> you would. But now there's different varieties, and with the um, the cool pans that are out nowadays, that no stick, it, it's, it's not a yeah, it's super super easy. <laughs> but I make it in the microwave. My, we figured we found we latched onto a really easy, super super simple microwave recipe, and it's like no big deal. Huh, why? The only thing you don't get is when you're cooking it on a stove, either like a gas stove or a wood burning stove, mm-hmm. you get that burning fire Kinda type smoky. of smoky yeah. to it, which you wouldn't get in a microwave, but it's healthy, quick, and sure. super yummy. Okay, well, I'm going to get that from so you. So guess what my favorite? So obviously, after lasagna and polenta, pizza's like right up pizza. there. So my favorite is polenta pizza. Oh my, so you make a crust with a polenta? Uh-huh. Oh my god! And gosh. then layer your... Your veggies on top. That That's my all time. Yeah, all time favorite. Okay, so gonna get some recipes from you. Yeah, <laughs> you need to send me that the polenta ones for sure. I have to. I just sent it to my colleague. I'm like, I, I'm so sorry. I owe you the polenta and the microwave <laughs> recipe. So I like, I asked my brother because I don't make it as much as he does. I'm like, give me that recipe because I always call him up. Hey, or I just by eye. You just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just throw it in. It's like, what was that again? I don't want to steer her down the wrong path, you know. And she's like, didn't come. It didn't work out right. I'm like, well, oh. I must have messed up You're somewhere. Like, Oops. So I need the exact. So now recipe. I my brother, there right? There you go. <laughs> That's a good. Yeah, he's a good cook too. <laughs> Is there a food that you don't care for? I like everything. Yeah. Are you, are you adventurous with your food? Do you like to try new things? Oh my gosh, and, yes. Yeah. I went on a people to people. Um, What's that? People to People is started by Eisenhower, and it's an exchange program to raise awareness between cultures. And I went mm-hmm. on a People to People um, trip to China with a registered dietitian, and we explored um, nutrition. We went to, um, we got to see traditional Chinese medicine. Um, oh, what else? Did we? we did all kinds of. We learned about traditional Chinese medicine. Um, we learned about their herbalism. We learned about some of their, um, like, cupping and acupuncture techniques. We went into the hospital. We were able to see portions of their hospital. And then we did some culinary. Um, I wanted to see some ag, so we went out into the country, and we got to see some of the more rural areas. Um, Lovely food. And I, and (laughs) I actually ate, what was it, scorpion? Or the crunchy little, yeah. Yeah. Fried scorpion. How was that? Good. Crunchy. Yeah, crunchy. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> like a snack. <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, whatever. Uh-huh. So but a yeah. great opportunity to, to learn about. Oh, it was fantastic. I've never heard of that program. We went to a Montessori preschool, which just blew me away. These kids were so amazing mm-hmm. on how they were just approaching learning. And um, it was just very, very cool. Trying to remember, it was quite a while ago. So the whole experience, I think I've caught, I've shared the highlights of it. So <laughs> the scorpion, yeah. <laughs> so there's not you love all kinds of foods. Then you're yeah. very adventurous. Do you have a favorite? 
beverage or a favorite drink that you like? Well, yeah. <laughs> it can be any kind. It's wine. It's wine. <laughs> well, you are Italian. So. Yeah, and honor my grandfather. It has to be wine. Yeah, yeah is there I'm a certain Italian. type of wine that you like the best? Um, Good wine. Good wine. Like yeah. red wine? Red wine. Wines. Yeah, red wines. Um, we have some really good uh, varieties in our area. Oh, that's um, fun. Yeah. Yeah. I would never guess that. <laughs> I'm part of the food and culinary um, practice group. Are they do you? wonderful um, excursions and, and learning experiences. And I went with Loretta Paganini on one to Tuscany. Oh, wow. We stayed at Il Bora, which is um, the Ferragamo estate. Mm-hmm. And we actually sampled the Ferragamo estate wine. So those were the Lovely. best. <laughs> they were delicious. Oh, my gosh. It was a medieval town that was converted into... Um, a bed and breakfast. Yeah, a bed and breakfast. So, yeah, it was fantastic. And so we did a cheese, um, besides wines, we um, we sampled cheeses. And cheese, I love cheese. And where, where I'm from, north, um, which is the Friuli region of Italy, cheese is a big industry. Mm-hmm. We have cheese known for our area, oh, okay. basically. So, yeah, what cheese. cheese. What is known well, in the area for um, cheese? Well, there's Reggiano Parmigiano. It's just a farmer's cheese, okay, basically. Sure. So you, the vendors have it. You just buy local. Oh, gosh. Farmer's cheese. I, I, it would be like a farmer's yeah. cheese. Delicious. But it, it's more like a Reggiano Parmigiano. Uh-huh. But it's not Reggiano Parmigiano because it has to be made with yes. the said milk. So you make it with our own milk. So it's just yeah. local. Yeah. yeah. That's yum. And now they got into all kinds of, you know, like with pepper. You know, they, they oh, cure flavor, the cheese. Sure. Yeah. All those are yummy. <laughs> you could live off wine and cheese, right? <laughs> and a little chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. Oh, definitely. Chocolate. Oh, I started young with the chocolate. I think I was four or five, and I got it, I got into a whole load of trouble with chocolate. Did you? Just eating too much of it. I got into it, yeah. Yeah. It was like, it's kind of like Easter candy. It's like you just found it and just went to town. I know. Well, at least you still like it. You didn't get sick off of it or yeah. anything. Yeah, and my brother doesn't. So it's kind of oh. interesting. You're either a chocolate person or not. It's kind of true. You are. Yeah. That's very true. Do you have a favorite smell? Hmm... think oh i really do like lavender lavender and we and uh, lavender is grown in our area is it so you you actually is there field there's probably well in your probably your master gardeners or fields around the area that you can actually go harvest it oh or? here in indiana uh-huh. no sorry <laughs> they're grown in italy Italy. okay i was like <laughs> sorry. i was kind of surprised i was like in not indiana? in indianapolis <laughs> no we do have i i did i i i know from um a wise source that we do grow sunflowers. Oh, um, sunflowers is the sunflower oil is the latest hot and upcoming oil. It is, and I was able to taste it and try it, and I fell in love with it, and totally, totally in love with it in Italy last summer. But where we're from, the north um, Friuli region is a high lavender production. Oh, so it probably <coughs> smells like that all over the place then. Yeah, and they they cultivate it and then they make products out of it. So like I just love and that. Soaps yeah. and essential oils. Yes. And soaps and, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do love lavender. It's like a homey mm-hmm. smell for you. Yeah. <laughs> Calming. Yes. What brings you joy in life? Interacting with people and just getting together and just um, relating. Talking and just 
having yeah. good conversations good about conversation. good quality, important conversations. <coughs> Sorry. No, you're fine. Well, and I think we had an awesome conversation today. We did. We did. <laughs> and, and conversations. And I think to tell you the truth, I know this sounds so, it may sound so, it is like sharing a meal and wine. Um, I was sharing with um, some past colleagues. I'm like, oh, I have some really great memories of extension trainings or we'd have food and and of course I would be like in the middle of instigating it all and there's this group we uh, yeah we were trying some famous restaurants but it was so much fun we just had a really good time just being together exploring we were in Kansas City for Urban Conference uh-huh. and we got to go to Lydia Bastanish's restaurant out there mm-hmm. so we had it's this delicious. long table <laughs> there had been 20 of us with Italian food and wine flowing. But I still have memories of that. And I bet if I, I call my colleague, it's like, hey, do you remember the time we all, you know, hung out and we all and went they would to remember. there? Oh, yeah. Well, I think, and like you said, when you mentioned earlier about being around the table and having food and having those connections, that's why I think, like, when you think about your favorite foods, it usually is connected to some memory, usually. It is. Yes, and I think that says a lot about how important those things are. I'll have to share, you know, with extension, we still have a chance to do that because our conferences are small because we're kind of specific tailored to um, education and programming needs. And we can actually recreate those and connect a little bit better with our colleagues and get to know them, which is kind of cool. It's a really, really very cool profession um, extension is because of those networks. But you can also recreate those types of really reaching down, you know, at that level through food. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. You can do that. You can do it personally and you can do it professionally. <laughs> Big crossover. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. It's been my pleasure. And it's I look fun. forward to seeing you more yes. over the week. So definitely. And I just, this was great. So thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks. Christina does so many wonderful things in her job. I was kind of overwhelmed by all the things she has learned and taught herself to do over the years. She has such a great passion for all services Extension can offer a state. I had no idea there was so many. It makes me very interested in what this career has to offer RDs. She has also inspired me to look into more culinary experiences because I think it's something I lack in just a little bit and I probably would benefit from learning more. Travel and tasting the world sounds like something I need to put on my bucket list. If you love popcorn as much as I do, don't forget Jolly Time Healthy Pop Popcorn is available in a variety of flavors. My favorite product from them right now is Simply Popped Popcorn, where there is only four ingredients. Butter, sea salt, popcorn, and oil. That's it. That's all. Jolly Time is family owned and found right here in this beautiful state of Iowa. So head on over to JollyTime.com for more information and even to print off some money-saving coupons. And if you haven't had Stroopwafels yet, I hope I have made you just a little bit curious. Dealman Stroopwafels are baked with care using only natural ingredients, and I think they're made with a little bit of love too. I can actually taste it. Find them on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Dealman Stroopwafels US or on Twitter, twitter.com backslash Dealman's US. Don't forget to check me out at AnnaElizabethArty.com where you can not only purchase my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, but also my weekly wisdom blog is there too. 
It is my way of sharing my adventure with life and food, a little music, and maybe a recipe or something new I found in love. This month is National Dairy Month, so I'm sharing some of my dairy love and some of my favorite recipes. You can also find my previous podcasts and related show notes and links to the things we talked about. Please connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.